Today, we're going to be talking about a mother, of course. Um, I don't usually preach uh, messages to fit the holiday. Uh, God just never led me that way in the past. But today, He allowed me or gave me a, a message to give to you about a mother. And so we will read that in just a minute. Now, some scholars believe that the woman uh, whose name was Salome, S-A-L-O-M-E, that she was the mother of James and John, who we know their father's name was Zebedee. So Mrs. Zebedee. The Bible doesn't make itself clear if this woman was the mother of James and John. She was at the graveside. She was at the crucifixion. She was at the resurrection. She was a big part of the community of followers of Jesus Christ, this Salome. So some scholars put her together with the two boys, James and John, who were the disciples of Jesus Christ. They were brothers. Whether her name is Salome or not, we're going to call her Mrs. Z today, all right? So let's stand and read about Mrs. Z and see what kind of an influence as a mother she had uh, on her family. Matthew 20, verse 20. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to him with her sons, bowing down and making a request of him. And he said to her, What do you wish? And she said to him, Command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and one on your left. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you are asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? And they said to him, We are able. Verse 23, And he said to them, My cup you shall drink, but to sit on my right and on my left This is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. And hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom for many. Let's pray together. Father, bless Your Word today. And bless the mothers that are here. And Father, speak to all of our hearts, especially to them and the children today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. You won't have to stand again till the end, all right? You can rest assured of that. Now, Mrs. Z, uh, if that's her name, was the mother, of course, of the two sons, James and John. They were brothers, of course, and Jesus had picked them long ago to be some of his disciples. And over the course of time, apparently, Mrs. Zebedee was following along with the crowd. Uh, Take your Bible and turn back to the left to chapter 19. And let's look there for a minute in verse 28. And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you that you who have followed me 
in the regeneration, when the Son of Man will sit on His glorious throne, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now Jesus is going along with this group of people. He's teaching him that. And we come without really a break into what you and I read today. And so Mrs. Zebedee heard that. And typically we want to we chastise her. We want to criticize her for, for what she did by asking the Lord, my goodness, for her two sons to have a special place of prominence beside him on his throne. And we think, what a... What a shameless woman she is. But perhaps we're looking at that the wrong way. And today, I'm not saying it's wrong that we have that view of her. She might have been bold enough to do that. But let's look at her approach from another point of view. All right. Look again at verse 20. It says in chapter 20, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to him with her sons, bowing down. So she wasn't maybe as uh, mean or forceful as we might think. She had a proper understanding. She might have had misguided thoughts, as I wrote to you on the back of your bulletin from your pastor, thinking about this woman. But there's some points that I want you to see from another point of view today. The first one is this on the screen. This mother wanted her children saved in the kingdom. Now, whether she understood that they were saved or they had not been saved is not the point I want to make. This mother was concerned about the salvation of her boys, the existence of her two sons, and she wanted them to be with the Lord himself and close to him. You know, today, for you and I, the most important thing, Mother, that you could ever do in your life is to share Jesus Christ with your children, to teach them about Him so that they could grow up and have an understanding of who Jesus is and what He is about and what He came to do and what He desires to do for your children. You know, we all want our kids to be happy we all want our kids to grow up and have a wonderful marriage. We certainly want our kids to have kids so we can have grandchildren. Amen. We want that. We want them to have a successful job. We want them to be a success in life. But more important than any of those things, in fact, my kids could go without any of that as long as they know Jesus. Amen. That is the most important thing. We criticize this woman because of the way she came and asked Jesus for something. But I promise you this, we all need to do that. We all need to ask the Lord that our two sons or our two daughters or our children might be a part of His kingdom. That they would be saved. That their life would be changed by Him. That they would come to know Him genuinely as He truly is. That is the most important thing that we could ever do for our kids. Let alone teaching them to work. Teaching them to successfully marry. Teaching them to have their wants and wishes fulfilled. It's knowing Jesus Christ. That is really the most important decision that they could ever make. Here's what Jesus said about that decision. 
back in chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God in all these things, all these marriages, all your jobs, all your schooling, all your friendships, all your relationships, all your recreation, all those things will be added to you if you seek the kingdom first. Amen. This woman had more going for her than we give her credit for, I believe, today. Now, moms, the most important thing you'll ever do is to see that your children know who Jesus is. Now, that might be painful for some of you this morning because your kids aren't walking with the Lord. They're not going to church. In fact, they're living apart from Him. Maybe your child has passed away. And you're not really sure if they knew Jesus or not. Oh, you might have talked to them about him. You might have encouraged them about church. You might have talked the gospel to them, but you really don't know. You know, our kids can take us to the highest of heights and they can bring us to the lowest of lows. Amen. They can put such great joy in our heart and yet at the same time they can create such deep sorrow in us. Here's what Proverbs says about us and our kids. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Amen? Moms, today, the most important thing you could ever do is to teach your kids about Jesus Christ. It's important that you understand that. There's no guarantee. Godly parents don't mean godly kids. And ungodly parents don't mean ungodly kids. Amen. It's a decision that every person but must make. But for you mothers here today, I'm going to reinforce this over and over. The most important thing you can do is teach your children about the Lord. Nothing takes that place. Nothing is more important than that. Being a parent is not easy, but it is what you and I were called to do. You know, it's not like the mother who had three kids and her neighbor said, if you had it to do all over again, would you want kids? And she said, you bet, but not the same ones. Okay? It's what we do when they're younger, what we do when they're in the high chair, what we do when they're growing up. That's important, Mom. We must make sure that our kids have a chance to know who Jesus Christ is. Kids of any age today, some of you mothers... Like Louise, she's going to be 89, but she has a, what, a 30-year-old son? She, uh, she, she needs to train her children. Teach them. It doesn't matter the age of your child. It's never too late to start. It's always the opportunity to talk about the Lord. So keep praying, Mom. Keep talking to them. Keep sharing with them. Keep loving them. And most of all, keep bowing down before Jesus, asking Him that your kids can be a part in His kingdom. Amen. The second thing I want you to see, this mother wanted her children to serve in the kingdom. Not just to be saved in the kingdom, but also to serve in the kingdom. Not to only be in it, but to be active in the kingdom of God. It's not just enough to be saved. All right? It's not just enough to... Go through the motion of coming down front, talking to a preacher, praying a prayer, going through a baptism, which doesn't add to your salvation at all. It just is a part of being saved. And then that's it. It's not enough just for that. This woman understood it. If her son was on a throne, he would have importance. 
and he would be serving the one who he's next to in the kingdom. You and I are like that. We will be serving the Lord in the kingdom. It's not just enough to be saved. This church and all churches everywhere are full of people who are content to come on Sunday morning and receive perhaps some kind of a blessing. But they seldom ever get involved in the work of the church. Did you hear me? The church can be full of people who are content with sitting on the pew on Sunday morning without getting involved in the workings of the church. That's not what the Lord intended for you when He saved you. He intended for you to be a servant. The last verse that we read was this, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give His life a ransom for many people. So the Lord wants you to be in a place of serving. Certainly this mother understood that and wanted her sons to be in a place of serving. Where does service begin? Where do you learn how to serve in the church? Let me tell you, it's not here. It's at your home. Your kids value their church by watching you and how you value your church and how you serve in your church and what you do for the church and how you talk about the church. That's where your kids get the example of serving the Lord is at home. Right? And they see the effort that you put in it. They see the time you spend there. They begin to follow your example. Billy Graham said this, If you'll give a kid a goal, and you'll give him a target to aim at, and you'll give him a pattern to follow, you will give him more than silver or gold. Amen? If you will set the example at home of what it means to serve in this church, then you will give your kids more than silver or gold. You will give them more than they could ever imagine. You will give them all that they need in life. This mother wanted her boys to serve, to be saved in the kingdom. She wanted them to serve in the kingdom of God. How about you? Are you just worried about your, your child being saved and now you've dropped the rest? Let me, it goes further than that. You need to be teaching them about how to serve the Lord, right? I tell my kids all the time, well, why do you go to that church? Well, because they got great music. I said, well, what do you do in that church? Well, we just go and we listen and then we go home. I said, then you're going for the wrong reason. The Lord didn't establish the church so you could come and be entertained. The Lord established the church so you would have a place to serve Him. And be a part of that body of Christ and serving Him in some way or another. All of your kids are watching you, parents how you serve and how you value your church, they will learn how to do that as well. One time as a youth pastor, I had a couple call me and said, you need to come to the house and talk to our kids. These kids was in my youth group. I go to the house. Now the parents were hit and miss in church. In fact, they used to go there a lot, but when I came to the youth pastor, they weren't going there very much anymore. I found out later because they caused a lot of problems in the church. And so they kind of just stayed away after that but their kids were still coming in my youth group so I went to the house and I sat down with the parents and the kids in the living room and the parents immediately began to pound the kids talking about how bad they were how horrible they were how they were uh, disrespectful how they were causing problems in the home and they turned to me and they said and you as their youth pastor you need to fix that 
I sat there and I looked at the kids and I said this, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're having to grow up in a home that is forcing you to meet a standard that your parents aren't willing to meet themselves. And I got up and I left. Okay? They wanted the church to fix their kids. And I told them, the church isn't to fix your kids. You fix your kids. We enhance them in Christ. We grow them in Christ. We don't fix their behavior. Yeah, when they come to Christ, yeah, they're going to have their behavior adjusted and it'll be fixed. But do you understand? She wanted them to serve in the kingdom and it takes parents serving in the kingdom so that the kids might serve in the kingdom as well. A baby dedication service, beautiful time. Little Susie was dedicated and the pastor spoke for a little bit about her. Then they gave her back to the parents. And on the way home, her little four-year-old brother, Johnny, was crying in the car. Mom, um, he was upset. Mom turned around and said, Johnny, what is the matter with you? Why are you crying like that? And he said, because the pastor, because the pastor said that he wanted me and Susie to grow up in a Christian home. Okay, but I wanted to stay with you and Dad. You see that? We have to set the example. If we don't do it, they're not going to get it at church. They're just going to hear and see everything that you talk about and do at the church. Godly parents set the example of service for their kids. All of us know who Mickey Mantle is, right? Right, the great Mickey Mantle. He played baseball for the New York Yankees, was the home run leader for a little while before Roger Maris overtook him. And, you know, Mickey Mantle was a, a great baseball player. Some say he might have been one of the greatest who ever played the game. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame for baseball. And he was being interviewed by a reporter on television. And they came to the point where they were talking about him being a role model. And Mickey Mantle looked at that reporter and he said, a role model. He said, I'm no role model. Mickey Mantle was a drunk. Mickey Mantle died just a couple of months later from cirrhosis of the liver. Mickey Mantle was a horrible husband and a terrible father. And this reporter said he was a role model. And Mickey Mantle turned to the screen and he said, you kids out there, don't become like me. What a sad testimony of someone who could have changed the lives of so many young people, but he couldn't do it because he was consumed with alcohol. Amen. Think about the examples that we set. Here's what Paul said about Timothy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am sure that it is in you as well. You see, he learned from an example at home about how to be a Christian and how to serve the Lord. We see that godly example lived out time after time after time. Mom, make sure that your kids are saved and make sure they're serving in the kingdom in one way or another. The last point I want to share with you is this one. This mother wanted her children to be successful in the kingdom. She did not want them to be only saved or serving in the kingdom. She wanted her kids to reach their full potential. I want them to sit on a throne with you, Jesus. I want them to be successful. I want them to make a difference in the kingdom of God. 
Now we criticize her, man, we come down on her hard, but let's do it like this. Let's admire her for her boldness to come to the Lord and ask something just like that. Too often, mediocrity is settled in the church. And we don't get involved in the lives of our kids and God. And we don't care about what happens at the church. We just come once in a while and then go on about our life. Not worrying, not caring, not doing what the Lord would have us to do. Godly parents desire for their kids, their children to be excellent. To be successful in all things. Nothing but the best. Amen? Nothing but the best did this woman want for her boys. She might have been misguided in her asking. Like I wrote to you from your pastor, she took all that she knew for that moment and she went to the source and asked him. And Jesus redirected her thinking and the boys, okay? But as I said, look what happened. Two of the greatest Apostles to ever live came from the desire of their mother to go and ask the Lord, save my boys. Let them serve in your kingdom. Let them be successful in your kingdom. Is there something wrong with that? Of course not. In fact, that's what we all should be doing, mother or father, whichever the case may be. Moms, you have turned your children I'm sorry, I got ahead of my notes there. Like the story of Hannah in the Old Testament. Hannah was barren and she couldn't have children. And so she would go to the temple and she would pray and pray and pray. And finally, God heard her prayers one day and gave her a son. And you know what she did? When she had weaned that little boy, she took him back to the temple. And Eli was the priest and she brought that little boy. His name was Samuel. Just old enough to eat meat. And she brought him back and she gave him to the Lord. And she said he would serve the Lord all of his days. And that young man grew up to be a great prophet and priest of God, Samuel. He's the one who got to deal with David, right? He's the one who got to anoint David. He's the one who took care of the kingdom of God for that time simply because his mom returned him to the Lord. Amen. So I'm going to ask you moms, have you given your children back to God? You know, they are his. He's just given them to you to raise. But in actuality, you need to give them back to him for the purpose that God has proposed for them. That God wants for his children God is making that happen today all over this world. Men and women are giving their children to the Lord in service, in, in, in love, in holiness. That they might grow up and be a part of the kingdom of God. Mom, I know your role is vital. You've changed plenty of diapers. You've cooked plenty of meals. You've rode plenty of miles. You've, you've helped with plenty of homework. Everything that you've done seems overwhelming at some times, but I want to encourage you this morning. Keep going, because why? You are shaping a life in front of you. The way you react, the way you say things, the way you attend or not attend church speaks volumes to your little ones. 
You're shaping a life for the future by the way you raise them. You have a great responsibility and you have a great privilege. I'm calling you today to fulfill that. For those of you who are, thank you, mother. Thank you, moms, for fulfilling your God-given responsibility to those kids. For sacrificing them. For praying for them. For loving them. For modeling Jesus before them. What is it to be a mother? What is it to be a mother? Back in World War II, we had a terrible event happen in our world. It was called the Holocaust. And Adolf Hitler chased after all the Jewish people all over the territories that he was occupying, and he was going to annihilate those Jewish people. And we all know the stories of the concentration camps and all the horrible things that happened. A man named Solomon Rosenberg, you can guess what nationality he was, Solomon Rosenberg wrote a book. And it was about him when he was a young married man. And he was arrested by the Nazis. And he was put into a concentration camp along with his wife and along with their two sons and along with his parents. And they got to the concentration camp and they put them in a barracks with nothing hardly to eat, no place really to sleep. But here's the deal they made with those Jewish people. As long as you can do your work, you will live. Mr. Rosenberg said, my parents were old and I knew they could not keep up with the labor that was taking place in that camp. Two months went by. Every night they were all dispersed to different areas of the camp to work. But every evening they would all come back together and they would search in that barracks until they found their family's faces and they would huddle together in a corner and they would pray and they would cry. And they would go to sleep and the next day they would get up and break apart and do their duties. Two months went by. Mr. Rosenberg was coming back to the barracks from his work detail. He saw the soldiers escorting his mom and dad away. He knew what was happening. And he went back in and he cried and prayed with his wife and his two boys. And in his mind he knew who was going to be next. It was his youngest son, David. David had always been frail, even from birth. He was a weakling, so to speak. And Mr. Rosenberg, Solomon knew that his son could not keep up. In fact, he saw his son degrading day by day by day. One day he came back from detail of working. He looked in the, in the room for his family. He couldn't find him. Then he found his oldest boy in the corner, and his boy was curled up in a ball weeping. And he said, oh, no, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. He ran to his oldest son and he said, what happened? And his son was able enough to tell him that David had been taken by the soldiers, that he was unable to perform his work that day and that he was taken away. And Mr. Rosenberg said, where's your mother? And the boy burst out in tears even greater. He finally got him calmed down. He said, where is your mother? He said, David was crying and all he could say was, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And mom came in and she hugged him and she grabbed him up and they held each other and he kept saying he was afraid. And she said, David, there's nothing to be afraid about. 
And she got him by the hand and she said, I will go with you. And that boy watched his mom and his little brother be escorted off to their death. That is being a mother. Amen? Will you do that? Will you sacrifice yourself so that your kids will know who Jesus Christ is? What a great story that Mrs. Z taught us today. Let's pray together. Lord, bless this moment as we look at our own life and what our mothers have done for us in showing us Christ, in helping us to understand who He is. And perhaps there are many here, Lord, that did not have that in their home, did not have that availability. Lord, I pray for them that they would break the chain and break the mold and make sure that their children know who Jesus is. I know we can't save our kids. I know we can't change them. But we can certainly open their mind to Jesus Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to do His work. And Father, I pray today that there would be mothers all over this building that would commit to that even right now. And I pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen.